Frank, and this is Blatant Frankism, a podcast dedicated to helping arm the community with more of the information necessary to move us forward in a world that seems to be trying its hardest to drag us back to some of the darkest times in our history. The mission of Blatant Frankism is to introduce more voices, perspectives, and experiences into the community dialogue by talking to people that represent various generations, genres, and walks of life. The vision is that each weekly conversation will provide listeners with new information that's relevant to their lives and that inspires them to act on those issues they see affecting their communities. Who knows? One day it could be you, your issue, and our conversation. Let's try to make sense of the world together. Let's provide each other with resources we all need to make it. Let's script our own narrative and stop letting those who don't truly represent us do it. Let's take action. Together. Our objective for this and every week is that by the end of today's show, we will all learn something about ourselves and the world as we each see both and take an action step on a personal or collective level that reflects this learning. Let's get into it. Let's warm up. Question. What do you do when you get stressed? Do you stop and breathe? In, two three four out two three four in out do you use a grounding technique like imagining your favorite smell or sight or sound mine is children laughing (sighs) do you talk to somebody I do do you go to therapy I do individual and group do you hold it in i do do you lash out i do Hmm. how did you answer according to mental health america an organization dedicated to addressing the needs of those living with mental illness the state of mental health in america is in dire need of address but i'm sure that comes as no surprise In its most recent report, MHA lists five key findings. One, over 44 million American adults have a mental health condition. Two, the rate of youth experiencing a mental health condition continues to rise. Three, more Americans are insured and accessing care. However, four, many Americans experiencing a mental health condition still report having an unmet need. And five, mental health workforce shortage remains. Think about that. They also note decreases in the percentage of adults with mental health and substance use problems from 18.19% to 18.07% for the former and 8.76% to 7.93% for the latter, which is encouraging, as well as increases in adult suicidal ideation and major depressive episodes in youth from 3.77% to 4.04% for the former, and 8.66% to 12.63% for the latter, which is absolutely not encouraging. Your second warm-up question? Which finding presented concerns you the most? Why? Think about that. For me, it's the increase in mental health conditions in youth. This world is turned on its ear right now. Some saw it coming, some didn't. Everybody is reacting in one way or another. People seem more frustrated, angry, agitated. We just seem to be feeling more. 
The unfortunate aspect of this increase in feelings is a lack of general knowledge about how to channel the resulting emotions and energy. This manifests in individuals and groups in many ways, often ways that lead to actions with harmful or life-altering effects. In some instances, these effects are life-ending. Our youth are the most vulnerable to all of this. It's crushing every time I hear a story about a child that committed suicide because of bullying. It's maddening every time I hear about children being taken advantage of and knowing that all of the internalized emotions will spill out in harmful ways at some point and will probably lead to generational dysfunction. It's disheartening seeing them hurt each other and others because they've been hurt and conditioned to think that this is the norm. You know what? It is the norm. Their norm. This can't be what we continue to be. But what do we do? How do we as adults deal with our mental health conditions so that we can help youth deal with theirs and reduce the number that ultimately have to? Keep thinking on that. But to help, I'm going to enlist the perspective and advice of someone doing phenomenal work in mental health. Dr. Tara Doty, Dr. Tara, is the founder and lead consultant of Sage Wellness Group, LLC, a consultant firm committed to improving the lives of children and families by providing a personalized and mindful approach to human service professionals in the areas of program and professional development. She holds a PhD in clinical psychology from Howard University and is a national speaker and trainer, frequently asked to speak on issues impacting children and families. She has been the keynote speaker for Pediatric Grand Rounds at Mercy Media Center and has given specialized trauma, equity, parenting, self-care, and mindfulness-based trainings for judges, educators, and other human service professionals. At the request of the Baltimore City Health Department, Sage Wellness Group developed and facilitated a trauma-informed parenting program and also facilitated a trauma-responsive training for Baltimore City School Police after the 2015 Baltimore Uprising. In April 2014, Dr. Tara celebrated the release of her first children's book, Let's Talk About It, which was selected for inclusion in Baltimore's Enoch Pratt Public Library. In 2017, Dr. Tara was selected to participate in the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program, a national program designed to support entrepreneurs in meeting their business goals. Dr. Tara has served on the board of directors for Mosaic Community Mental Health Services and on the advisory board of the Carpenter House. She currently resides in Maryland with her family. She credits her children as being her biggest supporters, who are mainly interested in learning what she's going to cook for dinner. Here's our interview with Dr. Tara. All right, good afternoon, Dr. Jody. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for um, joining me. Thank you for being part of this, my uh, inaugural <laughs> podcast for Blade and Frankism. I really appreciate it. Yes, I'm very honored and excited to be a part of it as well. So thank you for extending the invitation. <laughs> Not a problem. Um, so uh, first, can you just give the, uh, my listeners just a little bit of background about you very briefly? Sure. So my name is, I go by Dr. Tara. My name is Dr. Tara Doty, and I'm the founder and lead consultant of Sage Wellness Group. We are a consulting firm that is committed to improving the lives of children and families by offering um, excellent professional development and program development serv uh, services to different organizations such as schools, um, departments of social services, hospitals. But we really focus on using a trauma-informed approach to arrive at practical and sustainable solutions. Wow. Okay. Um, so tell me, why is mental health so important now? 
Oh my goodness. Well, I have to just kind of back up and say that I am so excited that it's starting to get the attention that it has always deserved. To me, mental health is the foundation for everything that we do, right? So I can get a new car, a new house, a new job. However, if I'm not mentally and emotionally healthy, none of that is going to matter. I still, you know, I've worked with people who made six and seven figures um, who were still suicidal. And so I'm really excited about the attention that mental, mental health is getting really as the foundation for overall wellness and the the ability for people to see that it's so important for people to have a connection to themselves and then the connection to others. When we look at like social media or the advances of technology, if we were to really break them down, it really is about finding ways for people to still feel like they have a connection. I'm connecting with you because you like my post, or I'm connecting with you because you commented, or I'm connecting with you because we, we belong to the same group. And so people need that connection. And so when we look at mental health, there's nowhere in our society where mental health or, or mental health awareness should not be. Wow. Why do you think um, recently, you know, that I guess the focus has started to shift towards that, you know, there's just a lot more, I'm sure the research has been there. There's just a lot more right. emphasis on it now. What do you think has been driving that? Well, unfortunately we have been faced with some very serious um, events in our society and Unfortunately, mental health is still one of those conditions where we as a whole, we as a people are more reactive than we are proactive. And I think with, you know, school shootings or just even the political climate that people find themselves on one side or the other, people are starting to see that something has to be done. And it's starting, you know, finally getting back to, okay, well, even if we change these laws, unless we're focusing on the foundation, unless we're focusing on the thought process, the emotional well-being, you can have as many laws or as many, you know, initiatives or marches or rallies that you want, unless people literally start to take care of themselves, they're going to be in vain. And, and you know, I think that we're a reactive society and enough is enough. I think the people have started to say that enough is enough. We, we are demanding that our children be supported. We're demanding that we as adults be supported. We're demanding, demanding, I'm sorry, that our leaders are supported in the emotional way. Wow. Okay. I, I completely understand that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel the same. It's, I, you know, like I've told you, kind of one of the driving forces behind why I'm doing this is kind of therapy. Yes. <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of mental health for, you know, awareness for myself, you know, kind of um, letting what's inside out if you will. Yes. Yeah. And, and being okay with that. And I think, you know, we have been fortunate that people are beginning to use their platforms to talk about mental health and, you know, to not have a stigma associated with sometimes feeling depressed or sometimes feeling anxious. And I think sometimes our society creates or helps to foster those feelings because we're in this society where you're only as good as what you do. And even if you do something today, it doesn't matter because we want you to do even better tomorrow or even bigger tomorrow. And so um, one of the big tenets that I preach is mindfulness and getting people to be in the present moment and being appreciative and satisfied where you are now. And so people, a lot of people are walking around with all of this anxiety that is socially constructed or socially, you know, enforced. Um and being able to share that with someone, being able to say, you know what, it's okay that I'm not feeling okay. Agreed. 
<laughs> um, that kind of brings to mind, um, I guess, what thinking about the experiences and, and the trauma and what people are walking around with. What I think when people think about the, um, you know, the term PTSD, you know, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. automatically related to like battle, you know, the military, right. people have been through war. But what is PTSD as it as it relates to like the average person walking around today in our communities? Sure. So PTSD is short for post-traumatic stress syndrome. And you're right. It did start with people coming home from war. And a lot of times when people talk about trauma, historically, that's what we've associated with veterans coming home and having flashbacks or or, um, being triggered by loud noises. And so the average person would think, okay, well, I live in a community that has community violence, but because I haven't gone overseas, I don't have trauma. Or because I've lived in here, lived in this community my whole life, or because my family has lived in this community my whole life, we can't have trauma because it's generational. And so what trauma really is, is stressors, any type of stressor, and it's it's higher than my ability to cope, meaning that you and I could face the same stressor. However, we can have very different physiological, psychological, uh, physical, emotional responses. And if the stressor to me causes me to feel terror or helplessness or disorganized behavior, I have experienced something that is traumatic and it, and it activates this, this uh, system within our bodies, this fight or flight system, or even freeze. So I can't fight against this thing or I can't run against this thing. My body literally has to take, take it and I'm frozen. And so what we see with the quote unquote average American or average per- person is, you know, my philosophy, my own personal philosophy is that every person that I come into contact with um, is a survivor of something that they themselves would consider to have been traumatic, something that could have had a traumatic impact, whether it was getting lost in a store for my parent and that event stuck with me. So now I'm scared or I'm nervous every time I go somewhere and I can't find who I'm with or sometimes parental divorce or sometimes parental marriage or community violence, you know, having to normalize Um, something that has activated this system that creates anxiety, that creates fear, that creates depression, are a lot of the things that we're starting to see. Wow. I I, I think, um, excuse me, Um, I thought about that because I've, you know, my, I've been teaching, I've been in education for 20 years now and it's it's always been an urban education. And so that's, Mm -hmm. that's something that, you know, has always been discussed. Um, and so I guess my, my, that leads me to thinking, you know, what, what did you, what do you do or what do you consider the, the similarities or differences when you're working with youth versus mm-hmm. working with adults? Because that's where I've, I've, you know, that's where I've spent my life working with primarily until these last couple of years. And so, so I, I've seen the differences. Uh-huh. So for me, it's always going to go down to what we consider social emotional learning. Mm-hmm. So from a trauma informed care perspective, one of the things that we know is that sometimes when trauma happens, you literally become paralyzed in that moment or in that age. And so whether I am now 18 or 16 or 45, if something comes up that brings up the same feelings of that, that, that initial trauma spark, I'm now back to four. Whether I'm 16 going back to four or whether I'm 50 going back to four, and we're going to see that disorganized behavior. Now, one of the things that happens, you know, with youth is that we can literally start to see different sy- symptoms start to manifest. So, you know, around ages of 6 to 11, we see disorganized behavior and hyperactivity or irritability. Um, We see regression in smaller children. So those are things that we start to look for. Now, as people age, 
one of the things that people learn to do is compensate. So, you know, a lot of times, one of the things that we look for is eating patterns. Am I overeating? Am I undereating? When I feel stressed or when I feel anxious, am I looking for something to comfort me? Am I, am I you know, starting to look at sugar addiction? Or am I using food as a way to protect me? You know, so am I gaining weight um, as a way to protect myself? Or we start to see these trauma behaviors passed down from generation to generation. So I survived the trauma and I now have children and I parent them based off of that, that trauma. So I don't let them go anywhere. I'm scared. I'm, I'm overprotective um, or I'm too lax because of what happened to me. No one protected me, so I can't protect my children. Those are some of the signs that we see with adults, too. Um, or, you know, drug use. You know, I'm going to drink. I, you know, I have to have something to drink. I have to have something that fills this void or, or it makes me feel or it doesn't make me feel. You know, those are opposite sides of the same coin. Um, because the feeling is too much in, in any direction. Um, and so those are some of the things that we start to see as people begin to age. Um, with children, we start to look for behaviors, difficulty with adjusting, difficulty with transition. And so we just want to be mindful of, of those things as they present themselves. Okay. So we, we can look for those things in, in children. What, as adults, you know, what, mm-hmm. what do we if we start to like like experience things or, or 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 have feelings that maybe we're not sure about that may be related to some some childhood mm-hmm. trauma what what do we do for ourselves like how do we who do we turn to so i'm big i huge advocate of therapy um you know that's always going to be my first suggestion getting a neutral skilled or trained person in the mix um one of the things that we know is that people normal can normalize trauma literally just based off the way that the brain develops and so if I have normalized my entire life that this is how people communicate to one another, communicate um, to themselves even, even um, or as well, then I may not have the best support system around me. And so because someone, someone may be enabling me, someone may have experienced their own trauma, so they're not able to support me. And so when we talk about therapy, it really means that I am giving myself the space to, to tell my story, I'm giving myself the platform. You know, one of the things, one of the, the terms that we use in trauma-informed care is the term, what happened? You know, we don't say what's wrong with you. We, we literally say what happened because that allows me the opportunity and the space to have a platform to share my story. And so for adults, I think it's so important that we give ourselves the permission to, to heal and to be vulnerable and to create the space or create the life that we may not have gotten when we were younger, um, and to he- and to heal ourselves as well. Uh, no, oh, uh, you're speaking to my heart there. I appreciate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I I ask because I know with there's just a stigma attached to therapy itself. Um, mm-hmm. especially from my own experience, you know, with, within the black community. And, yeah. and so how do you, you know, kind of convince people, you know, in the face of that, right. you know, to, to, to still, you know, you know, kind of, I guess kind of take control, you know, of their lives, you know, try to, you know, try to, to, to save who they are, you know, because it's just, it's hard a lot of times. It is. It is hard. It's, it's because it's changed. And if I've gotten used to living my life this way for the past 30, 40, 50, 60 years, any type of change is going to be hard. I think for me, one of the tools that I use is is, is saying to people that we don't have to close that, right? Like, okay, you don't okay. you don't want to you don't do therapy. Well, then can you talk to someone or can you share your story or can you you know 
engage in artwork that allows you to to feel something different or to start your healing process. Um, one of the one of the big pieces of stigma that people sometimes use too is is the church, right? So mm. people believe that I can't go to church and have a therapist. I I used to teach a class at my church on mental health and spirituality and bring up scriptures where the Bible talks about protecting your mind, guarding your mind, thinking of those things that are pure, that are that are um, thought you know thoughtful, and and finding joy and rest in those things. And so starting to mm. literally break down that stigma that we sometimes have, you know, you can have Jesus and a therapist too, you know, <laughs> um, you know, and, and getting the sick, you know, really going down to when you're sick, people still go to the doctor. You mm. know, if I, if I just got a diagnosis of any type of disorder, I want the best doctor in that field or in that specialty to treat me. Why don't we see mental health the same way? You know, if I just gotten this diagnosis, let me find the best therapist who's known for working with people who have experienced anxiety or depression or trauma so that I can, I can get healed. And if this goes back to the first question that you asked me, um, and it really goes back to people changing their mindset and giving themselves permission to change. And one of the questions that I'll ask people all the time, are you willing to allow yourself to think different thoughts? Hmm. Are you willing? Because at the end of the day, people have the right not to change and just know that if you, if you choose not to, you're still going to continue to get what you, what you've gotten. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Uh-huh. I appreciate it. Um, we are oh, got a little time left. Let me see. What um, what brings you the greatest pleasure in the work you do? I think what has brought me the greatest pleasure, honestly. So we, so I don't see clients now. I have moved more into administrative work as far as teaching people and. I think what brought me the greatest pleasure out of that is that I'm literally able to help create systemic change, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm working with expert educators such as yourself or expert administrators, and they get it. People are starting to get it. And I think that it brings me joy that even though we start the conversation thinking that we're going to talk about ways to reach young people who've been impacted by trauma, people leave thinking about themselves. And that, that's always my goal. I want to make the trainings that we do and the conversations that we have connect with people because it's only through that personal connection that I have found that change is likely to occur on a systemic level. And that has probably brought me the greatest for people coming up to me after a training and say, you know, I started thinking about myself or I started thinking about my children or I started thinking about my partner and I want to do things differently for them. And then it's going to spill over into the work that we do. Wow. wow. I, I, I think that's very important. That's always been one of my concerns when, you know, you start to do the work where it's, we do, we, we do this work every day for a reason. We're here for right. our students. We're here to help them be better to, you know, be better advocates for themselves, better, you know, better citizens. And if we ignore the issues that we walk through the door with, then how do we ever really get to being about the business of what we're here for? Exactly. I can't get you well if I'm sick. Right. I can't. I can't heal you if I'm sick. I can only lead you as far as I as I have gone myself. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. We um have come to the end of our uh, formalized questions. Okay. <laughs>
Um, and so now um, we're going to go into uh, some rapid fire questions. As I've explained, I am a firm believer that, you know, things like, you know, food, music, sports unite people. They bond us. If we can break bread okay. together, you know, we can we can get past some things. Yes. Maybe yes, not yes. everything, but we, we can we can start to start the work. Um, so um, let's try four questions. Just name any four numbers between one and sixty nine. 69. Okay, so we'll do 7, 12, 28, and 32. 7, 12, 28, and 32. So number 7, <laughs> what is the weirdest thing you've ever eaten for breakfast that's not a breakfast food? I had alligator oh, oh. one time in Florida. That was pretty good. Alligator for breakfast. Okay, okay. Yes. Okay, I've I've had a little alligator. I'm not sure if I'm sold on it yet, but, you know, I'll try it again. (laughs) Uh, Twelve, if you were a vegetable, what would you be? Huh. Uh, Lady Greens. (laughs) 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 My mother's from the South, probably Greens. You get so much bang for your buck, right? Okay, all right, you do, you do. Twenty-eight, what movie can or do you watch over and over even with commercials? Uh-huh. You know, like the usual suspects. I think that it yes. was ahead of its time. And so, yes. yeah, like it, it was groundbreaking. Yes. It was groundbreaking, yes. Okay. Uh, 32, what's your best idea for a reality TV show? Hmm. I don't think a good reality TV show um, would be doing like soul food trucks all over the United States and like pick, taking them in random places and seeing how food, like soul food can bring people together and soul food from different cultures. Yes. Like this is, you know, soul food from black Americans. This is soul food from Caribbean Americans. This is soul food from Latin Americans. And, oh. you know, getting grandmothers and aunties and uncles and trucks and just doing pop-up shops. I think that would be awesome. Nice. All right. Taste this all of that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I would watch that over and yeah, over Yeah, I think I would eat. I think I would show up. I, <laughs> as greens. <laughs> as the greens. All right, give me one more number. Um, We'll do, let's do 52. 52. Oh, what's your favorite instrument to hear played? Oh, definitely the saxophone. Oh, why the saxophone? It just, I love jazz. Okay. Um, And so it just, it's just smooth and easy. Smooth and easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All, right. All right. One last question. Number one through 26. Um, let's do 17. If you had a boat, what would you name it? I probably would name it Tara. Oh. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm so not like creative of names, so, or the boat. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not that person. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Dr. Doty, can you leave our listeners with one mental health tip? It's never too late to start. It's never it's never too late to start. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Tara Doty. I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, this has been our interview. Thank you so much, Lashana. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and thank you so much for using your platform um, to bring awareness to such an important issue. All right. Well, um, this, um, it's not my birthday yet, but this will be airing on my birthday. So, uh, thank you for making my birthday extra special as well. Yes. Thank you so much, LaShawn. So you'll play it back and make sure it sounds okay. And let me know if you need anything else. I got you.
Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. For more information about Sage Wellness Group, visit them on the web at www.sagewellnessgroup.com. I can't express enough how grateful I am to Dr. Tara for being my inaugural blatant Frankism guest. I, like many other folks, have dealt with mental health issues for quite some time. As a result, I'm constantly looking for ways to work on my mental health, especially in the moment. (laughs) I'm not always successful, but I'm getting better at equipping my toolkit with resources and strategies to help me get through. Blatant Frankism is one of those strategies. It's therapy for me. As for this podcast endeavor of mine, as amped as I am right now, one question keeps plaguing me, mainly because I'm sure you'll be asking it yourselves. That question, who am I? Really, who am I? There's a lot in that question and the ultimate answer, but at the heart of it, I'm LaShawn Renee Franklin, or as I like to be called, Frank. Or as others like to call me, Frank, Frank, Frankie, Frankadelic, Frankalicious. There's a a lot. (laughs) I'm a 45-year-old, oh yeah, it's also my birthday today, black, twice-divorced lesbian educator. My father died from AIDS when I was a freshman in college. I've taught various subjects at various levels. Admittedly, English is my wheelhouse, and I was even an administrator for a few years. I've been on television, filmed a movie, performed in uh, numerous strip shows, and spoken at Constitution Hall. I once fell down a flight of stairs at the nightclub where I bartended. On the same night, I met Vanessa Del Rio. I met my first wife at the same bar. And that just barely covers years 0 to 24. There's so much more to discuss, but that's not what blatant Frankism is going to be about. Well, not completely. Well, fast forward to one day in the fall of my 43rd year, my 19th as an educator. A student requested that we read about the Little Rock Nine. When we did, another teacher joined us, and after reading, she began to tell us about the area during that time and how it reacted to the assassination of MLK. It struck me that I have many people in my life, many people, who were around at the most pivotal time in modern civil rights, and I had never had a conversation with any of them about it. I've literally spent my entire educational lifetime talking about MLK, Malcolm X, and other civil rights leaders, especially in February, and we all know that. Yet, I had had not one conversation ever about them. Not one. This epiphany just happened to occur at the same time as the height of the focus on Colin Kaepernick, the NFL protests, and the backlash. Now, if you know me, you know I take my football seriously. You know I'm a Skins fan. It is what it is. My passion and my loyalty is uh, changing. But, you know, we'll talk more about that. Anyway, I felt like there were so many correlations between the two Americas. This feeling left me saddened and angry and frustrated and a myriad of other feelings about what was happening, what the world was seeing, and what those in control of the story were trying to make us believe. Political pundits are always telling us that the local issues, the ones that go unmentioned, those are the ones that we should focus on, not what the media continues to offer up in various forms over and over again. I agree with this assessment, and I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what. It struck me that I needed to begin having those conversations to try to make sense of the world, help me figure out my place in it, (laughs) just help folks figure some things out. But what also struck me was that I need to talk to folks other than just those that can fool me about the past. For it's the present that has me here, has us here, and it's our longing to get to a future where we can all prosper. There are a lot of different opinions and interests to be represented, and sometimes 
Admittedly, more often than not, I'm astounded by many of these opinions. I try to check my biases, which are strong in these instances, but again, I fail at times. Especially because of the nonsense that seems to just be digested and consistently regurgitated as talking points by a media that I feel is abdicating its duty to the American people. To counter this, I engage those with opinions that differ from mine as often as possible to try to understand alternate viewpoints. I try to understand all perspectives, especially those that differ from mine, often to a fault. But I think it's necessary if we really want to change the course of our world. And I want those conversations and this work to be shared. So, why a podcast? Outside of television news, my media consumption takes place during my daily commute. For a long time now, I haven't listened to music radio on a regular basis. I settled on sports talk radio years ago. Eventually, I grew tired of that. It was uh, growing increasingly um, counter to how I view the world, I'll say. So I began a foray into talk radio. NPR became a favorite. My options were greatly expanded with satellite radio. Although, as I sit back and think about it, I don't know about greatly. It seems to be a thousand stations of the same thing, just a different genre. It's okay. Options count. So I soon grew tired of those offerings and discovered podcasts in early 2017. I love the freedom of the format and impact each show can make. So I thought, why not a podcast? Hence, blatant frankism. Now, I'm new to this arena and don't have all the answers to the newbie questions I encounter every day, but I do have a framework. Society likes to put folks in their regularly scheduled boxes. As a general position, after about 20 years, I've stayed in mine. I'm a teacher. It's not just what I do, it's who I am. And it shows up in every aspect of my life. So, I'll handle blatant frankism from that standpoint. Each weekly show will be a pseudo-lesson with an objective, warm-up facts and questions, some background information or instruction, and homework, all guided by the interview and connected to community action and or social justice. As I said earlier, I'll also be talking about my life. As an added twist, I'll be working to integrate my belief in music, food, and sports, as well as other entertainment pastimes being universal unifiers. I just think if we can break bread together or sing a song together, we all get caught up in song every once in a while. You know what? Go to a game. Sports. It's intense. Still got to love it. But if we can do all of these things, you know, we can kick it out of a museum. We can take a walk and just enjoy the scenery together. Then, you know, maybe we can solve some problems together if we really put our minds to it. So I'm going to be playing around with some different weekly and monthly themes. I'll be editing and revising as I go until I get the perfect recipe. It's going to take a willingness to be open to something new, something unknown, something outside of my comfort zone. But I'm looking forward to this. As I stated previously, this is going to be therapy for me. There are a lot of times when I you know, I have these conversations in my head, full-fledged, full-blown conversations. I mean, I am writing the world's wrongs. So I figure, why not let them out? Let some other folks participate. You know, I believe that some part of it will help listeners and the community. So again, who am I? I'm Frank. And this is the inaugural show of my podcast. Our podcast. Blatant Frankism. So your homework for this and every week is hashtag come through with the come through. I don't mean stop by. 
Well, not literally and not yet. I mean, think about what you heard today. What resonates with you? How is your mental health? How is that of those around you? What community resources are there? Are they equitably distributed? How can you apply these understandings to your life? The community. Now do it and let me know about it. As a matter of fact, let me know your thoughts about the show. As I said, I'm a teacher. I have an open door policy. Get me on the web at www.blatantfrankism.com. That's www, the letter B, L-A-T-A-N-T-F-R-A-N-K-I-S-M.com. Contact me with any questions, comments, or concerns via email at heybfrank, H-E-Y, the letter B, F-R-A-N-K, at gmail.com. At bfrankism, the letter B, F-R-A-N-K-I-S-M, on Twitter, and bfrankism, the letter B, F-R-A-N-K-I-S-M, on Instagram. That's it for this inaugural show of Blatant Frankism. I'm 45, y'all. Get at me. Wait, hold on. Today's Powerball numbers are 7, 12, 28, 32, 52, and the Powerball is 17. If you win, pay it full. Or put it back into the community. Alright, now get at me.